Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. So good, good to be with you. This is uh, the 30th September, the last day of September, and tomorrow is the 1st of October um, and the Feast of uh, St. Therese of the Holy Child, of the Little Flower, all those titles. She has a magnificent feast day and the beginning of the month of the Holy Rosary, and the feast, as you know, of the Holy Rosary is October 7th, and we are going to be, oops, there's my hiccups again, I better take some sugar, isn't that terrible? I love the brother who emailed me once and said that all we need to do to get rid of hiccups is to have a little sugar, so don't look, I'm going to have a little sugar. Okay, let's hope it works. Um, I would do that, wait till the break, but then I'd be hiccuping the whole first time. So isn't that miraculous? I'm free. No more hiccups. I've never had a cure like that in my life. It's fantastic. So it's free of charge to all of you. If you have the hiccups, you know, you can put your hands in the air and you can stop breathing. You can do all that. But you can take the tiniest bit of sugar and it's done. I I can't get over it. but I'm grateful for it. So um, we are also grateful for our mother, beloved. And she gave us the rosary. And Our Lady of Fatima said she was the lady of the rosary and didn't say it was a good idea. She actually commanded us to pray it every day. Now, is it on pain of sin that you don't pray it? Absolutely not. Is it an approved devotional in the church? Yes. Is the greatest devotional in the church? Absolutely not. Nothing is greater than the Mass and the Sacred Heart of our Lord, devotion to a Sacred Heart. But I think this is next. It's really, it's wonderful. And Our Lady has given us the cure for all things, and that is to pray the Rosary every single day. That's what she told the children of Fatima, who translated that and transmitted it to us. And so there are many people who are not too keen on the rosary. They've never really looked into it. They know what it is, and it's boring, and just repetition. And, you know, Protestants will say it's vain repetition. God doesn't like vain repetition. Well, of course he does not like vain repetition. He has nothing against repetition because he um, has... repetition repetition throughout the scriptures himself. Uh, Psalm 136, every other line says his mercies are new every morning. And how often has he told us to pray the Our Father? And there's there's other things. Repetition is not um, a problem. Vain repetition is a problem. Any vain prayer is a problem. Saying our Lord's name in vain is a problem. But the rosary is not vain repetition. The rosary is a meditation on the entire life of our Lord. And Protestants are not even going to know the life of our Lord as Catholics know it, if you know the mystery of the, the mysteries of the rosary. And the reason we have the rosary, beloved, 
is because we have a Jewish mother, that's what Mary is, the mother of the Jewish Messiah, who knows how to homeschool her children. She didn't leave us to the world. She homeschooled us. She gave us the entire life of her son. And at the end, her the last two mysteries are of her, that we should know God and we should know what he's done. And by heart, because you pray it enough and you learn it by heart. And so I thought it would be wonderful for us to learn the rosary. And if you're not Catholic, maybe to learn finally what it is that Catholics do with these strange beads. And the fact is, it's all scriptural. It's straight from scripture. Hail Mary, the words that the angel said to our Blessed Mother at the Annunciation, the Lord is with thee. That's scripture. It's all scripture. So there is a wonderful, magnificent little book, which those of you who have um, consecrated yourself to Jesus through Mary, why would you do such a thing? Because he came to us through her and he still comes to us through her. And who are we to be so proud and ignorant as to not to go to him through her? So no, no, um, Uh, He came to us through her, and um, he said, do whatever she tells you. No, she said to us, do whatever he tells you. And so um, he has given us the Blessed Mother to have a mother, to guide us, to guide us to the Son more than any of us will ever be able to get to him apart from her. I can tell you that. Um, and so uh, I would invite everyone to listen, Muslims, Jews, this is Jewish, this is Jewish, the Blessed Mother is Jewish, Jesus is Jewish, the apostles are Jewish, these prayers are Jewish, there's nothing wrong with them. I have a book, it's from Charles Hoffman, and it's The Jewish Roots of the Rosary, and it's very good, but I have decided to take another book by St. Louis de Montfort, it's called The Secret of the Rosary, I'll show it to you. The Secret of the Rosary, and um, here you are. What am I doing? I can't get in front of the camera. Um, And it is part of the consecration to Jesus through Mary, a la St. Louis uh, de Montfort. And so many of you have read this book, and uh, many others have read simply the assigned parts of the book that are part of the consecration. And so this, I'm trying to look at its first printing. And the first printing in the United States is 1954. But, um, and at that point, there were 5,400,000 copies of it. And it looks like the last copy, the last uh, printing was in uh, 2002, but that was of this edition. And, And many more have been printed since then. So, Um, I would like to share this with you in part. And I'm going to go for, I'm going to skip the whole beginning. Um, And it's a dedication to priests, to sinners, to devout souls, and to little children. And as our Lord has told us, unless we become as little children, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. So um, we're going to go straight to the first part, which is the first decade And it's the origin and name of the rosary, the origin and name. Um, And it's going to go through the prayers, the mysteries, and the effects. 
So the origin and name of the rosary, let me get this to you and for you and for me. It's, uh, you know, I, there are times, I'll just tell you, I pray the rosary and my mind wanders and I get bored. and Me, yes, me, 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 me. And, and I keep at it. And God, and there are times that I even love and really meditate on the mysteries. But you know, don't worry about your feelings. When we are faithful to God to do what he asks and we don't feel like it, the merits for that are tripled. Because we're being obedient, not based on emotions. That's very important. Okay. Um, So we have what the rosary is, the prayers of the rosary. The rosary is made up of two things, mental prayer and vocal prayer. This is going to help you and me and all of us so much, beloved, because people say, I don't know what mental prayer is, contemplative. What is all that? What is it? As I came in from Protestantism, it, prayer was prayer. We never labeled it or separated types of prayer and all of that. It was prayer to God. Um, but here, St. Louis de Montfort says, in the Holy Rosary, mental prayer is none other than meditation of the chief mysteries of the life, death, and glory of Jesus Christ and of his blessed mother. That's it. That's what mental prayer is, meditating on those mysteries. That's it. That's the use of our intellect and our, our um, powers from the grace of God of concentration and thought. Vocal prayer consists in saying the decades of the Hail Mary, each decade, decade headed by an Our Father, while at the same time meditating on and contemplating the principal virtues which Jesus and Mary practiced in the mysteries of of the Holy Rosary. Okay. Um, St. Louis de Montfort keeps identifying uh, 15 decades, 15 mysteries, but that's before John Paul II, St. John Paul II, gave us the luminous mysteries. Now, there are many people, mostly um, uh, very traditionalist Catholics, who are not wrong, but they have stayed with the 15 mysteries that Our Lady gave us and have not taken in the, f- the additional five of the luminous mysteries that came through St. John Paul II. And I want to say you are free to do what you wish. Here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, we are Benedictines. We are as traditional, not separatists, not radical. We're just Catholic is what we are. Um, and we pray the Luminous Mysteries here. So uh, you that's your choice. It's not a matter of sin. Uh, it's what you wish to do. And then, so that's on the prayers of the rosaries. Now, the rosary. Now, this, the origin of the rosary, St. Louis de Montfort says, since the Holy Rosary is composed principally and in substance of the prayer of Christ and the angelic salutation What is that? The Our Father and the Hail Mary. It was without doubt that the first prayer and the first devotion of the faithful. um, Hold on now. I think I messed up here. Hold on. It was without doubt the first prayer and the first devotion of the faithful um, and has been in use through the centuries 
Well, that's a little, maybe there's a misprint here. Let me, maybe I keep misreading it. Let me begin. Um, since the Holy Rosary is composed principally and, sub, and in substance of the prayer of Christ and the angelic salutation, angelic salutation is Hail Mary, that's what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, that is the Our Father and Hail Mary, it was without doubt the first prayer and the first devotion of the faithful, that's it, and has been in use all through the centuries. Okay. Sorry for my awkwardness on these books here. Um, From the time of the apostles and disciples down to the present. But it was only in the year 1214, however, that the Holy Mother Church received the rosary in its present form and according to the method we use today. Of course, that is prior to John Paul II adding those additional five ministries, uh, mysteries. It was given to the church by St. Dominic, who had received it from the Blessed Virgin as a powerful means of converting the Albigensians and other sinners. Now, some may say, well, if Our Lady wanted 20 ministry, mysteries instead of 15, couldn't she have given that to St. Dominic? Well, the answer is yes. Of course the answer is yes. Does that mean that Our Lady would not have her future sons in the, na- in the office of Pope uh, add to those mysteries? It doesn't mean that at all. It does not mean that at all. Um, we have added uh, many, many devotions to the, f- the, the faithful, to the life of the faithful since the church was established. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing uh, of sin um, or unfaithfulness if you refuse those last five mysteries. I will tell you the story, uh, St. Louis de Montfort says, of how St. Dominic received the rosary, which is found in the very well-known book De Dignitate uh, Solteri by Blessed Alan de la Roche. St. Dominic seeing that the gravity of people's sins was hindering the conversion of the Albigensians, withdrew into a forest near Toulouse, where he prayed unceasingly for three days and three nights. During this time, he did nothing but weep and do harsh penances in order to appease the anger of Almighty God. He used his discipline so much that his body was lacerated. That's the discipline, maybe the rope or um, um, whatever he did to, to, to harm his flesh. And finally, he fell into a coma. At this point, Our Lady appeared to him, accompanied by three angels, and she said, Dear Dominic, do you know which weapon the Blessed Trinity wants to use to reform the world? Oh, my lady, answered St. Dominic, you know far better than I do because next to your son, Jesus Christ, you have always been the chief instrument of our salvation. Then our lady replied, I want you to know that in this kind of warfare, the battering ram has always been the angelic psalter 
which is the foundation stone of the New Testament. Therefore, if you want to reach these hardened souls and win them over to God, preach my Psalter. That is the Psalms, beloved. So he arose, comforted and burning with zeal for the conversion of the people in that district. He made straight for the cathedral. At once unseen, angels rang the bells to gather the people together, and St. Dominic began to preach at the very beginning of his sermon. An appalling storm broke out. The earth shook, the sun was darkened, and there was so much thunder and lightning that all were very much afraid. Even greater was their fear when looking at a picture of Our Lady exposed in a prominent place, they saw her raise her arms to heaven three times to call down God's vengeance upon them if they failed to be converted, to amend their lives and seek the protection of the Holy Mother of God. God wished by means of these supernatural phenomena to spread the new devotion to the Holy Rosary and to make it more widely known. At last, at the prayer of St. Dominic, the storm came to an end, and he went on preaching. So fervently and compellingly did he explain the importance and value of the Holy Rosary that almost all the people of Toulouse embraced it and renounced their false beliefs. In a very short time, a great improvement was seen in the town. People began leading Christian lives and gave up their former bad habits. Wouldn't that be beautiful? And when Our Lady spoke about her Psalter, we normally look upon the Psalter as the Psalms, which they are, but the book that Blessed Alan de la Roche wrote uh, had to do with um, the importance and the beauty of the Holy Rosary. Um, and he is known as the French Dominican Father and Apostle of the Holy Rosary. So now, on St. Dominic himself, look at the lives of the saints that God uses. Great, great saints with great devotion for him or little children who are... Um, more innocent uh, and don't always have such great faith, but they are innocent. And what Our Lady does through them is is very obvious, uh, supernatural to all who know them. Um, and so on St. Dominic, this miraculous way in which the devotion to the Holy Rosary was established is something of a parallel to the way in which Almighty God gave his law to the world on Mount Sinai and obviously proves its value and importance. Inspired by the Holy Ghost, instructed by the Blessed Virgin, as well as by his own experience, St. Dominic preached the Holy Rosary for the rest of his life. He preached it by his example as well as by his sermons in cities and in country places, to people of high station and low, before scholars and the uneducated, to Catholics and to heretics. The Holy Rosary, which he said every day, was his preparation 
for every sermon and his little tryst with Our Lady immediately after preaching. One day, he had to preach at Notre Dame in Paris, and it happened to be the feast of St. John the Evangelist. He was in a little chapel behind the high altar, prayerfully preparing his sermon by saying the rosary, as he always did when Our Lady appeared to him and said, quote, Dominic, even though what you have planned to say may be very good, I am bringing you a much better sermon, end quote. St. Dominic took in his hands the book Our Lady preferred, proffered, read the sermon carefully, and when he had understood it and meditated on it, he gave thanks to the Blessed Mother. When the time came, he went up into the pulpit, and in spite of the feast day, which again was St. John the Evangelist, made no mention of St. John. Um, other than to say, hold on, other than to say that he had uh, been found worthy to be the guardian of the Queen of Heaven. That is St. John the Evangelist, the guardian of the Queen of Heaven. The congregation was made up of theologians and other eminent people who were used to hearing unusual and polished discourses. But St. Dominic told them that it was not his wish to give them a learned discourse, wise in the eyes of the world, but that he would speak in the simplicity of the Holy Spirit and with forcefulness. So he began preaching the Holy Rosary and explained the Hail Mary word by word as he would to a group of children and used the very simple illustrations which were in the book Our Lady had given him. Carthagena, the great scholar, quoting Blessed Alan de la Roche in De Dignitate Solteri, describes how this took place. Quote, Blessed Alan writes that one day Father Dominic said to him in a vision, isn't this amazing? Father Dominic said to Blessed Alan um, uh, de la Roche, the author of the book on um, on the um, um, the, the uh, dignity of the rosary, uh, Blessed Alan said this to St. Dominic, quote, My son, it is good to preach, but there is always a danger of looking for praise rather than the salvation of souls. Listen carefully to what happened to me in Paris so that you may be on guard against this kind of mistake. I was to preach in the great church dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and I was particularly anxious to give a brilliant sermon, not out of pride, but because of the high intellectual stature of the congregation. An hour before the time I had to preach, I was recollectedly, recollectedly saying my rosary, as I always did before giving a sermon, when I fell into ecstasy. I saw my beloved friend, the Mother of God, coming toward me with a book in her hand. Dominic, she said, your sermon for today may be very good indeed, but no matter how good it is, I have brought you one that is very much better. Of course, um, Dominic said, 
I was overjoyed, took the book, and read every word of it, just as Our Lady had said. I found exactly the right things to say in my sermon, so I thanked her with all my heart. When it was time to begin, I saw that the University of Paris had turned out in full force as well as a large number of noblemen. They had all seen and heard of the great things that the good Lord had been doing through me. So I went up into the pulpit. It was the feast of St. John the Apostle, but all I said about him was that he had been found worthy to be the guardian of the Queen of Heaven. Then I addressed the congregation. Quote, My lords and illustrious doctors of the university, you are accustomed to hearing learned sermons suited to your aesthetic tastes. Now I do not want to speak to you in the scholarly language of human wisdom, but on the contrary, to show you the Spirit of God and His greatness. Here ends the quotation from Blessed Allen, after which Carthenogena goes on to say in his own words, then St. Dominic explained the angelic salutation, a salutation to them using simple comparisons and examples from everyday life. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We've, I'm in suspense as to what those wonderful examples could be because I love to teach children because then I get it. I love stories and illustrations. So um, we'll continue this tomorrow morning because right now we're going to take your emails. Um, we'll be right back. Uh, we won't be able to take your calls today, beloved, but we'll take your emails um, and uh, Facebook posts when you have questions on Facebook, and we'll be right back. Email, go ahead if you wish, mother at thestationofthecross.com. Confusion on matters of faith and morals is widespread, even within the church. It can be disheartening with clergy celebrating gay pride masses, the Pope considering allowing women to become priestesses. It is easy to lose sight of the true teachings of the church. LifeSite News Catholic can help. We are a clear, trustworthy news source that is dedicated to the teachings of the church. We, as the laity, have a duty to know and defend our faith and tradition. In order to do so, we must be educated on the teachings of the church and on the truth about current events and developments within the church. Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook and Twitter, or sign up to receive our emails by going to LifeSiteNews.com in order to maintain your clarity and peace in the midst of chaos. Many who live the homosexual lifestyle attempt to justify their behavior by saying their same-sex attraction is natural for them. That's to say they didn't choose it. But is this justification reasonable? I answer no, and here's why. First, an individual's inclination or desire can't be the standard for morally evaluating human behavior. Such logic leads to the justification of any behavior, even ones we intuitively recognize as immoral. Second, the objection associates the term natural merely with an individual's tendency, as opposed to tendencies that are common to our nature as human beings. That's to say those tendencies that belong to our species as such and target objective goods that perfect our nature. An individual's same-sex attraction might be independent of his or her choice. 
but that doesn't make it natural in the sense of giving moral justification to act on it. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, I'm thrilled, thrilled to be with you um, on the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News and Mother Miriam Live on Facebook and uh, the, the podcasts on LifeSite News, Facebook on both apostolates. It's just wonderful uh, technology and how we can communicate more and more all the time. I will take your emails. I mentioned um, that this week alone you won't be able to call in, but we will be taking your emails, your texts, uh, everything will be fine, and and we're going to scout your questions on Facebook as well and try to cover those. So our first email is from Jean in, um, it looks like Clemsford. I'm not sure what that is, Massachusetts. And Jean writes, Mother, dear Mother, I did not catch your broadcast today until 20 minutes into your show. You were speaking to several points in education and the New World Order. You also mentioned the UN and Agenda 21. I wondered what is the article you were citing on this. I agree wholeheartedly with all your analysis and would like to know where I can read the article. Thank you for your work and your emphasis on doctrine and the faith, Jean. Well, bless you, dear Jean. This is the article. This is what I'm reading. Let me see if I can hold it up for you right there. It's the New American Magazine. New American, and it's dedicated... A special report on the education of children, and uh, the title is uh, "Rescuing Children." And so, the very for the entire magazine is devoted to that. And the first article on rescuing children is what I was reading from. And we're going to be able to we're going to be continuing that. Um, but for this week, we're going to be. Uh, on the rosary, we interrupt rescuing rescuing children to to bring you the history, the purpose, the meaning, the importance of the rosary. And I tell you what, nothing's more important for the family and for your own spiritual life than that. So for now, beloved, we're going to go to your emails, and um, I think Jean, uh, that hopefully that will help. It's America Magazine, uh, and it's the article, the last, uh, probably the current article. Let's see. Um, uh, rescuing children. Let me see if there's a date on here. Uh, yes, February 4th, 2019. It's pretty current. February 4th, 2019. Um, this year, anyway. We'll go to an email from Justin who writes, Mother, thank you for all that you do. I attended a Franciscan parish in my town for several years. I was drawn there because it was the most reverent Mass I had ever seen, mostly because I did not know what reverence was and did not pay attention. I was married there, and my son was baptized there. I was asked to be on the parish council a little over a year ago, and after doing so, I learned a lot about the parish. To name a few, our head altar server is an openly gay married man. Help. Help, help, I'm saying that. Uh, Justin didn't say that. Our head altar server is an openly gay married man. Our priest has written Sunday bulletins on how great Father James Martin is. His private Facebook 
has hundreds of pictures of him out with openly gay men. Now, I'm guessing his refers not to your priest, but to Father Martin. And he recently refused to baptize. Now, this does refer to your priest, uh, so I don't know what refers to your priest or not, but this does. He recently refused to baptize a friend's baby because her husband would not consent, even though he did when they were married in the church years ago. But then the next week baptized a baby with two moms and two godmothers. I have since resigned from the council and left the parish that I once loved. I made it clear to the priest why I left, and he was not happy. We found a great Latin mass parish to call home and have grown in the faith more than I ever imagined. My question is, should I write the bishop and tell him what is going on at my old parish, or is that talking behind the back of the priest. I worry about the souls of those who still attend my old parish. I have many friends there. Thanks and God bless. Justin, viva Cristo Rey. Justin, dear, you you must go to the bishop with this. The bishop may know about it and has done nothing about it. It's the state of our church today. But you need to go to the pastor, your pastor of that Franciscan parish, and you need to tell him how... um, how uh, you cannot be part of a, uh, uh, how do we say, blasphemy of God and of the faith by having an openly gay uh, altar server, by baptizing the children of gay uh, partners, uh, in all of that. You need to say to that to him and say, Father, it's against church teaching. And... um, if you have to bring him proof, there's plenty of proof on that. You can look up um, uh, the canon law, uh, G- G-I-R-M, the general instruction for the Roman Missal. You can look up canon law. You can call catholicanswers.catholic.com on the web. Uh, you can get answers and have printed paper to give him and say, Father, where we, we didn't know but we have begun to learn our faith and we're realizing the tremendous abuses that are going on in this parish um, and the blasphemy to our Lord. And we couldn't be part of it anymore, but we didn't want to leave without letting you know what we have learned and showing this to you. And we want to go, uh, Father, if it's not something you agree with and is not something you can reverse, then before God, we need to take it to the bishop. And so if the priest says, um, I know what I'm doing, like the priest um, in another program we we said, he says, I've been priest for 30, in another parish 30 years, and I know what I'm doing, and he got angry. Well, he shouldn't be a priest at all, and your priest should not be a priest because he's no longer Catholic and doesn't know or believe the faith. And so it must go to the bishop. If the bishop does nothing about it, you can send it to Rome. They may not do anything about it either, but you do what you can do, all right? And go to a bishop. Always let your priest know you're going to do that, okay? We have uh, an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, we are a Catholic family. My daughter told my husband and I that she is gay. This was three years ago when she was finishing middle school, She is 15 now and in high school. We have been gentle with her 
and tell her that it's wrong and that we do not want her to pursue it. We were afraid that she would run away from home, but now I don't worry so much about that. Um, Let me just stop for a moment uh, before I go on with this email, because to tell a child that it's wrong when she's been brave enough to tell you that she's gay and to simply tell her that she's wrong and you don't want to pursue it is to lose your child is to have her sorry that she ever told you and to have her rebel. Um, It's not, I don't believe it's the way to handle that. Um, We will pursue this when we come back from the break, beloved. You're welcome to email if you wish, but we won't be able to take calls this week, but you can email at mother at thestationofthecross.com or text. Um, Well, no, that would be the phone, so don't text but email if you wish just this week and we'll be right back after the break don't go away this is the pope paul the sixth institute minute with dr tom hilgers women's health care and the care of children and families is an exciting field for an obstetrician gynecologist but some disturbing trends have been developing over the past 40 years The shifts in sexual behavior, far from being revolutionizing, have been sexually retarding. These disturbing trends must be halted. Women must lead the action, and all of society must join them. Because the Crate Model Fertility Care System and NAPRO Technology help to build respect for women, for fertility, for life, and for children, and because they help to create a different worldview of the human being and sexuality, the Crate Model System and NAPRO Technology are our ways of helping to reverse these trends, looking for real solutions to real problems. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tom Hilgers. For a complimentary gift and more information on the Pope Paul VI Institute, Log on to www.popepaulvi6th, that's Roman numeral 6.com. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome back, beloved. This is Mother Miriam Live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And again, you're very welcome to email. We cannot take calls and texts just this week, but email yes at mother at the station of the cross.com. Or, of course, you can go to Facebook as well and put questions there on Mother Miriam Live. We are um, in the middle of an email from uh, somebody who writes in anonymously, and I'll just read the first beginning of it again, and then go on to read the end. 
Um, Dear Mother Miriam, we are a Catholic family. My daughter told my husband and I that she is gay. This was three years ago when she was finishing middle school. She is 15 now and in high school. We have been gentle with her and tell her that it is wrong and that we do not want her to pursue it. I commented on that before the break, that that's not a good approach Um, uh, to put a wall in front of her without really using it as a real concern for her. Why should he, what, what caused her to even go that way and use it as a teaching time? Um, and this mother says, we were afraid that she would run away from home, but now I don't worry so much about that. Between my husband and I, I've been the more blunt one to tell her that it's wrong and that this world we live in uh cruelly labels someone who might be a tomboy and that the celebrities are all pushing this lifestyle in the media to make it seem cool and normal. Well, there's so much I could say. If you're raising a child in a Catholic home, she shouldn't be seeing all those celebrities in the media. That shouldn't be her fair. She shouldn't even be watching TV except for maybe what is uh, beautiful and true. So she shouldn't be affected by those celebrities. Um, and, and, the, and the mother says, I reached out to her school who told me that any conversations that they had with her were confidential. Well, I don't know what her school is. I don't know if it's a Catholic school or not. Um, this seems very wrong that the school forces the parent out of the uh, conversation. The child is a minor and not a quote-unquote patient in a doctor's office. Doesn't matter. If she's a minor, there's no confidentiality that the parents can't know about a child, a patient. Only a school counselor and a student know. She says, I also met with the deacon of my church school. Now, I don't know if your daughter goes to your church school or not, but she said she met with the deacon at her church school and spoke with the priest who leads Courage International Group in my local area. Some of this priest's advice on what to say to her was helpful about natural law. However, I need someone who will stop saying fluffy words of encouragement and understanding, uh, fluffy words of quote-unquote encouragement and quote-unquote understanding. And just back me up and in plain English say that it's morally wrong and a serious sin, even if she just feels this way but has not acted on it. I'm going to interrupt you there again, dear mother. It is not a serious sin if she hasn't acted on it. Temptation is not sin, let alone serious sin. Absolutely not. It is not. And is it morally wrong? It is morally wrong to act that way. It is morally wrong to live such a lifestyle. To be tempted to think maybe you're gay is, is you're not living in immorality. It's something you need to deal with and maybe struggle with to get it right. You need help. Um, but you're not in sin if you're not acting on it. The mother says, I want to show her the passages in the Bible, for example, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, that says that homosexuals will not go to heaven. That's correct. Um, your daughter is not a homosexual if she just feels that way. If she has same-sex attraction, it does not make her a homosexual. It makes somebody a homosexual if they can't control themselves. 
if they act it out, if they live it. But to simply have homosexual tendencies and never to have acted it out and struggle with it doesn't make you a homosexual. It, it, it's a disorder that needs to be helped. She's not labeled. Suppose you, um, you have an enormous tendency to steal. Um, you want to steal. Uh, does that make you a kleptomaniac? What? No, it does not. Does it make you a thief? It does not. Because you haven't done it. You struggle. It's a suffering for you. And you don't act it out. You're not a thief just because you feel like it, because you feel drawn to it. You're even afraid you won't be able to control yourself. But you're struggling with it. It's a suffering. It's a suffering. That doesn't put you in mortal sin. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. But you don't do it. You're not in serious sin. And you're not a thief because you have those tendencies. Um, You need help to be over that so you don't suffer with it. The mother continues to say, I am also thinking about telling my experience. I am very ashamed to say that I felt same-sex attraction a few years ago. I am so ashamed of this. But maybe if I told my daughter this, she would see that I understand and that you need to get your mind straight and back on track that it's possible. Okay, now, Mother, um, I don't blame you for being ashamed, but the fact is I don't even want you to be ashamed of that. It's a disorder. When people feel same-sex attraction, something is wrong in their life. Something is unbalanced. Needs are not met emotionally and psychologically. And you feel that, I, I tell you what, it, it's not enormously abnormal for a normal woman or man who's not uh, homosexual or uh, lesbianism or whatever, for, for someone with normal tendencies, woman toward man, man toward woman, it's not unheard of. And it's not incredibly unusual for a woman to uh, feel at times in her life same-sex attraction, even be scared by it or be troubled that she's not a normal woman. And the same thing with a man, that he might feel a same-sex attraction at times. That is an issue not to be ashamed of, although I understand being ashamed of it, but it's an issue to be helped. If you don't act on it and you speak to your priest or you speak to a counselor and say, this is scaring me, I don't know what to do with it, I have these attractions. I have them, and I'm married with a family. What do I do with that? This is legitimate. It's not sin. And I don't blame you for wanting to keep it private to a counselor or a priest or a confessor. This is a good thing. But don't be afraid to get help, and don't think that you are ruined for life. And I think you should tell it to your daughter. I think you should apologize to her for your reaction, actually. And I think you should say, sweetheart, my reaction to tell you it's wrong, you won't be in heaven, it's serious sin, um, and, and all of that, and I don't want you to pursue it, you could say, sweetheart, I did that out of fright. I didn't do it uh, the right way, and I apologize to you, and I'm going to tell you the truth about me. I have experienced, uh, it, this is the mother speaking now, same-sex attractions, and not too long ago, sweetheart. And I'm a married woman with children because 
the enemy's going to hit us with all kinds of temptations. We're going to be hit left and right, and we're going to be bombarded with anything that's going to turn us from God to not be in heaven and to not live the life God has made for us. And say, honey, I, I, can't, I don't blame you for this. My goodness, no. But I was able to be helped out of it. I was able to help my mind, to help my emotions, and to kind of get back on track. And Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Sweetheart, I found that. It'll always set you free. And so where do we go from here? Maybe just to talk about it. You and I, of all things, shockingly, the only shocking thing is that we've both experienced the same thing. That's amazing. And now we can be in this together. We can talk about what that attraction is and maybe what we felt missing in our lives. Maybe, you know, on your daughter's part, it may be a father that's too rigid, too cold, too distant. It may be... um, A lot of things. I don't know. But you could say, sweetheart, you told me this three years ago. When do you think that started? What do you think caused it? You know? Um, What do you think, uh, you know, even someone who's not uh, same-sex attracted, uh, as little girls, they may not be um, attracted or drawn to boys in in, uh, relationship ways or sexual ways. But there's a moment that they begin to mature and experience these things. And if your daughter was 12 at the time that she told you, this is a very normal age of development for a young girl, um, you might be able to talk through those things. When hormones go a little out of place and the body's experiencing things that it hasn't before, and it it can can be very confusing with our emotions, our, our intellect, our psychology, all of that. So I would... I would speak to a good counselor and find out how to speak to your daughter. How do you help her? That's what I would do. I wouldn't take your daughter to a counselor. I would go to a counselor yourself and find out how to truly yourself love your daughter and help her. That's what I would do. I wouldn't even tell your daughter you're going to a counselor. She needs to be the focus here. She needs to know you will go to any length to help her. Um... And the mother says here, she continues with the email, she, my daughter, is still young at 15, but getting older and will be out of my influence more and more as time goes on. That's right, mother. And you have this time not to get your daughter straight, but to get you straight, to love her properly and to understand how truly to help her. And um, the mother says, do you think that I should point out the Bible verse and say, hold on a second, I just did something. Here we go. Do you think that I should point out the Bible verse and say to her clearly that homosexuals will not go to heaven? No, I do not. I think if you're going to do that, you need to point out the same Bible verse of God for sinners. That uh, John 15, you could read her the verse from Corinthians only if you read her, John chapter 15, that the shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one who's astray and give his life for that one because that's how much he loves us. And that's how much he loves you. And that's how much the angels will rejoice when, you, when they see you are free to be the beautiful soul God has made you to be. Okay, so I would talk to her very lovingly. Uh, your Bible verse won't lead her, uh, but love will understanding will, not understanding 
Understanding doesn't mean approval. It means that no one's going to listen to you unless they know they're heard. And so the mother writes at the end, do you think I should tell her about my own experience? Absolutely. With humility. And then the mother says, I appreciate your feedback. Thank you and God bless you. So um, uh, I hope talking through this email that I've helped that I've helped you, dear mom. I hope so. Uh, we have a Facebook question from Tony, and he says, what are the major differences between the three Abrahamic religions? Why are they lumped together? They're lumped together, basically, Tony, because they're monotheistic. That's why. They believe in one God. Abraham came from a polytheistic culture, uh, paganistic, where his own parents worshiped many gods. And through Abraham came the Jewish people who believe in one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, came um, the um, the Muslims, uh, came Islam, uh, who also believe in Abraham as their father. And then um, the, uh, um, oh, what am I saying, uh, three polyistic, I keep, now I'm forgetting, um, uh, the third that came through um, uh, not Isaac but Ishmael uh, to the Edomites and the uh, and the Arabic nations, but I, I'm I'm not thinking clearly on that right now. But the main the major difference is that they are monotheistic. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the similarities. Forgive me. The difference is that Judaism comes not simply through Abraham. Uh, the Muslims will say Abraham is their father. Judaism will say the same rightly. Christians will say the same rightly. But um, it is not simply through Abraham, but it is through the messianic seed from Abraham through the seed, the son of promise, which is Isaac, not Ishmael. And from Isaac came Jacob and Esau, and the promise went through Jacob, not Esau. And so it's important that the line of God's line of his redeemed people through whom the Messiah would come would be from Abraham through Isaac, through Jacob, and then through Jacob, the tribe of Judah, through the tribe of Judah, uh, David, the son of David, is who Christ is. So I hope that's a very, really short answer. But um, uh, only Christianity, only through Christ, the true son of Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob, is their salvation. There is salvation in no other name under heaven but Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. All right, beloved, we'll speak with you in the morning. God bless you.